Thanks for listening to the audio of 717 Church. This is a place where we continually strive to worship Jesus as the King with our lives, wreck our personal kingdoms to build His kingdom, and live out God's Word in the way that we interact with others. For more information, please visit 717.church. Hi, we're the Taylors. Um, my name's Gabe. This is my wife, Holly, and this is little Margot. And Holly's going to be reading today. It says 2 Peter 1, verses 1 and 2. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. Margot? <laughs> I am writing... Thank you. Start over. This letter, <laughs> this letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more grace and more peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Amen. I don't know if you guys remember, but when Margo, when we were doing child dedication, she actually was eating the mic. It was really impressive. She loved it. She's the future star, I'm pretty sure. Oh, my goodness. Good to see you all. If you want to turn in your Bibles, we're, uh, again, Second Peter. It's right after First Peter. Right? We're in verses 1 and 2. And so uh, before we get into that, though, I'm going to borrow this. We're going to talk about a couple things. So want to always kind of communicate well and give information as much as possible. Uh, ooh, that was close. Cat-like reflexes. That has not happened before. It's going down. I'm sorry. Thank you. You're the best. All right. So there's just a couple things I want to let you know about. The heart behind all of this is that we just set this up in a way that allows all of us to be a part of it. And so we need each of us to kind of take a little bit of what we're getting into. So what does that look like? So uh, this past week, we got a couple emails, a lot of communication. I know it's hard to read emails. Plus, you got a four-minute video from me, which is the longest you ever want to hear me talk ever on a screen. And my wife said, uh, you need to look at the screen. I said, yes, I know what I was trying to communicate, a lot of information. So we will get better at videos. You'll hear more information from us. Uh, it'll be a great opportunity. But we want to take a couple seconds to just kind of walk through this. So on the screen behind me is going to be three kind of steps that we're going to just talk through together. So if we can click maybe one slide, Jay. No, my bad. It was the one as far as, there it is. There it is. Okay, so we are in the process of launching kids ministry. We've got ages one to four kind of right through those doors, just in the gym down the hallway. And what that does is it allows us to take a breath. The kids have a great opportunity. We're building volunteers that are going to pour into kids' lives. And we want to always do this in a way that helps uh, bring discipleship as a portion of what we're doing. So especially when kids are young, the opportunity comes from parents mostly. You as parents, you're spending so much time with your kids, but we want to come alongside as church. And so we're trying to set that up in a way that says, okay, there's pieces that we can all do. So what this has changed is going 
first and third Sundays, there's times where you're going to go, oh man, how do we make all this happen? How do we get everybody where we need to go? And we've all come from places that like they had a full-blown kids ministry, all of that kind of stuff. So here's what I'm asking is if there's a piece of this being 717 that you feel like, man, I want to take a step with, we need to engage together. Uh, I know it's hard. We're all trying to figure out, is this our church home? Is this where we're going to be? As you make that decision, then let's take a step into what does it look like? And so the same way we have set up teams in the morning, we're going to kind of like, the goal is you don't have to serve all the time, but if we all take a piece, we can walk into it together. So there's an interest meeting. Uh, would be next Sunday, right? 11 o'clock, right at Karis Insurance. We can get you information. If you're ever not getting emails from us, that beautiful little like metal thing over there, uh, that's our welcome center. It has our bird box, which is where if you want to give, uh, that's there. We're going to keep it basic on purpose. There's an opportunity not only to give, but there's uh, sign up for groups, which we'll talk about in a second. And then also just put your email down and we can get you communication. You usually get one email a week. I usually try to be bull bullet points because I know most of us click delete pretty often. Anybody else a deleter in emails? All right, a few of us. The rest of you are still waking up. All right, so kids ministry meeting. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Second would be Connect Sundays. You got the four-minute video. What this looks like is we will always have church open, okay? Churches every Sunday. What will be first and third will always be here. It's kind of like you just experienced. Second and fourth will be opportunity to be in a group, Right? We want to make sure that there's time for all of us to digest, to spend time together, to understand our faith, to grow together a little bit. So second and fourth will either be in somebody's home or here at the building. So I will be teaching a class uh, pretty much uh, September, October, November that will be here in the building. And then December, we'll come back together as an all church stuff. And so it's an opportunity simply to get to know people you go to church with. If you want more information, you can sign up right over there. Or if you just want to ask me, Shauna, anybody, uh, we'd love to give you more information about that. So that's number two. And last but not least, our heart is going, we need to take a step together. And so that's prayer month is September 18th to October 14th. This is not like, um, I'll just kind of tell you a little bit. You'll each family, you can either download it online or you can get a paper copy. And it's simply you being able to walk your neighborhood and pray with your family, pray by yourself, whatever it is. It's like a self-guided tour. And so our heart is going, how do you take a step? The church will present opportunities for you to take a step, but you need to grow. I need to grow. And one of the things we realize is in order to be invested in our community, we actually have to be in our community. So like walking your neighborhood. If you're like me, I think I only know two of my neighbors by name. And so just getting to know a little bit more around your neighborhood, you don't have to knock on your doors and pray for them, but just walk by their house and pray for them. Maybe they walk outside, you can say hi. The opportunity is simply going, here is a four-week guided tour that you can just go through. These are things we're going to pray for while we're walking, and we're going to take our kids and pray together. Or we're going to bring friends over, and we're going to eat dinner and then go pray, or whatever it might be. The sound of it sounds worrisome, but the simple thing is take a step. So we, if you, if you see the clay lines wandering in the neighborhood, it'll probably be before football. So like 3.30 in the afternoon, kids just got home from school. That's probably the best time for us to do that over that time period. But it's going to be that opportunity to go, we need to take a step. 
we need to try to figure out how we're gonna grow, how Jesus is gonna move in our lives and how we can do that together. So it's like a full document. You'll be able to download it or you can get a paper copy, but we wanted you to know about it ahead of time so you can see it. Uh, it should be on the website. If you haven't been on the website, it should be up there. But those are things that'll be opportunities that we can all go, all right, we're gonna understand and we're gonna take a step of faith. And crazy thing is you might meet a neighbor, you might meet somebody, who knows how it's gonna go. Okay, got those three things? Heard it? Good. We'll remember it some other time. Okay, so we're starting new chapter two, uh, or Second Peter. We're going to walk through this together, and uh, it's a similarity to First Peter, but we want to go through it together because it is calling us to what we're all working through, which is going, God, I need your grace in my life to understand what's going on, okay? So let me pause. How many of you love, is there anybody out there that loves Monopoly? Loves Monopoly, good. Everybody else, how many hate it? Most of us, that's good. How many have thrown the Monopoly board? Yes, good, that's good. That's truth. Here's the, my brother, my brother is 16 years older than me. He used to whoop me unmercifully in Monopoly. Like would, like I'd be mortgaging stuff, handing it over to him, all this kind of stuff. I just didn't understand. He's a CPA and he loved it. Like I think only like those kind of brains love Monopoly, but I actually do love it, but I get bored like an hour into it and then I just start doing crazy things. But it's so interesting how many of us have some kind of like twinge when it comes to Monopoly. Now, how many of you like, understand the benefit of the get out jail free card. Sounds ridiculous, right? But I was thinking a lot about this is so often what happens is we talk about, we have this idea or the get out jail free card. Uh, If you are smart, you played that card at the most advantageous time. It might be that that might not be when you're in jail the first time or the second time, but you played it at the best time to save you the most amount of money and the least opportunity to have some kind of problem happen to you. In my life, I've realized how many times I've used Jesus as a card to play instead of his life-transforming grace. Let me say that again. I've realized how many times I've used Jesus as a card to play instead of living into the grace that he's given us. I can easily get used to playing a card instead of bending my knee, right? Oh, I'll play the Jesus card here. Jesus, I'm going through something. I need you. Especially those times when I get out of like a pretty hairy situation. You ever had one of those moments where like, oh my word, I'm really stuck in. This is not going well. Uh, But you actually got out of it relatively unscathed. Rarely did I see that as God's grace, but instead I just found a new line of trouble that I could get to and know that he'd bail me out. Do you hear me? So a lot of times I wasn't learning, man, this is God's grace. I wasn't allowing it to change my life. Instead, I'm simply going, okay, I can get to this point. I can know that I, I can get to this far and still get out of trouble. So I'd keep towing the line of, okay, I can just get that far, I'll be good. And then I can get back to my normal. So as long as I didn't go that far again, I'll be good. And so this morning, as we set up the next couple months, we want to have kind of three markers for us. And so the first one is this, his grace transforms us. 
we know like, okay, because of who Jesus is, because he died on the cross for us, we know that like he, like, he got us out of jail. But the hard part for many of us is going, does it actually transform your life? Has it changed anything in your life? You claim Jesus or you say, yeah, I'm trying to figure this thing out or whatever, which is good. We're in a process, we're in journey, but we actually haven't allowed his grace to transform us. So I'm like maybe a slightly better person, but I actually have not allowed his grace to completely change my life because I haven't surrendered to him. So number two, his grace empowers us. If you're like me, I've been stuck a lot of times in the, okay, man, God's grace has been great for me. It's changed my life. It's done all this kind of stuff, but it actually hasn't empowered me to go be involved and be invested and to be able to care for anybody else. Many of us as Christians get stuck in that first part is, yeah, God's grace is amazing. God has done this for me. Look what God has done for me. But we never actually allow it to empower us to change our lives or to go and be a part of somebody else's life to change. Does that make sense? Maybe you're like me. I've been stuck in that first part. Oh, God transformed me. Now is he going to empower me to be different? And last but not least, and this is always the tough line to walk through, is fruit should be produced. The Bible talks a lot about lists of behaviors that like we should be growing in. And we struggle with those because we hear a list and we hear things we should be doing. We don't hear God's grace changing us to be more like him. But if we take a second and just pause, what fruit is God producing in your life? Is there anything different? Is there anything that's like, man, these are tangible? Do your coworkers see anything different in your life over the last year? Do the people around you see anything different? Is there any fruit produced that actually goes, man, I can't believe they react that way. They've never reacted like that before. And it's refreshing. Or they've responded in love that I didn't even understand. You ever have somebody that you're close to that like completely changes, like they show up in a situation you didn't see it coming. You're like, oh my word, that's amazing. You see, there are many times when I've used God's grace to balance me out so that I can get to a point of taking back over the reins of my life right? You know what I mean? Oh man, God, thank you for getting me out of that situation. God, thank you for getting me out of this pain. God, thank you for this. And then I just take the reins back over and then I just go back onto my daily life. Make sense? Many of us are spiritually stuck and the only thing that shifts us or rattles us is something, some kind of hardship. Here's the truth of many of us as Christians in the United States. The only way God can get our attention is some kind of pain. We have so many things. The only way that God can kind of get anything, any reaction out of us is you going to go through some kind of pain, some suffering, some physical. We talked about suffering in First Peter. The only way that God can get you is if your life starts to not be comfortable, right? And this is why I wanted to set the table for where we're headed. Many of us have grown up in some kind of religious setting. We've been doing this thing for a while. And maybe you're like me and you've snuggled into the comfortable recliner of life. The comfort is interesting, though, because it usually is made out of good things. But those things got us chasing our tail. We're just doing the same thing over and over and over again. Right? We have so many good things in our life. We're just used to doing the same thing 
over and over and over again. So we're just tired. We just fall asleep in the recliner scrolling through life of other people's lives. We want to see Jesus use us or feel the spirit moving, but we won't dare to move an inch in obedience to what his word calls us to. The only way to get out of the transformed and allowing God to empower us is we actually be obedient to what he's telling us to do. If there's situations in your life, there's behaviors in your life that you know there's things that you're holding on to, until there's obedience, you're going to be stuck. Yeah? You see, we want him to move. We want him to be like, God, use us for miracles. We want to see all these things. We want us to do all this. But we shut down the spirit over and over and over again because he wants to deal with the stuff inside of you first as he's moving you to do what he calls you to. There's roots in all of us that he wants to deal with in order for us to be more obedient. And this is why I love uh, the current state of the American church mirrors our country because we keep expecting leaders to be our savior and ignore the real one that we're supposed to worship. And this is why I love that quote. We see miracles all the time is when the spirit awakens us to obedience. When the spirit awakens us to obedience and changes our heart, that is the biggest miracle that you can find. This is why we should be celebrating like crazy when people give their lives to Jesus and they turn their lives over and they bend their knee is because when we actually taste those moments, those are the biggest miracles on this planet. So in jumping from 1 Peter and 2 Peter, we're going to join Peter in what is likely at the end of his life. We all understand the perspective that death can bring. Death allows us to see life slightly different. So I'm going to work through two phrases. Number one, bondservant. Okay, it's going to be up here. Definition, a slave, bondman, man of servile condition, a slave. Metaphor, one who gives himself up to another's will, those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. So these two phrases we're going to work through just this morning is just simple reminders. Like this is actually what God calls us to. When we talk about faith, a lot of times we're like parceling through, like I want to live my life. I want to do my things. And I probably need to figure out where God is in those things. But if we're calling, like scripture calls us to serve him. Scripture calls us to lay our lives down to it. It's not me. It has to be him. So the more we move that direction, you can't be halfway with Jesus. I am the same way. I constantly am like figuring out, okay, Jerry, you actually have to turn towards him. Jerry, you actually have to bend your knee to him. Because what happens is I end up, uh, I got a lot of things I like doing over here. There's a lot of things that I have opinions about that maybe scripture doesn't agree with, but I'm not turning those over. There's a lot of ways I want to act, but I don't want to turn, I don't want to change those because they're kind of who we are. I need to turn towards him. So when it comes to this idea of bond servant, it's kind of difficult for many of us and myself included going, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Or do I want to sit on the recliner and have my life the way I want it to be? When I read this, I was like, oh, Peter's an apostle. Like, he's a good guy. He was with Jesus. He saw Jesus. Like, a bondservant, that's, that's a great title, right? What a good guy. I'm glad Jesus called him to that. Uh, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun for me, though. 
But there's such an interesting, this is what we're called to. So let me read you a couple verses. Uh, number one, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of our God. Galatians 1.10, for I'm now seeking the approval, for am I now seeking the approval of man or God? Am I trying to please man? If we are still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. The question for each one of us is, who are you serving? You say, Jared, I can do both. I'm pretty good. I've got good worth that work ethic. I can do this. I can do both, right? So me, for me though, for a healthy understanding of what I should be aiming for helps. So when I'm hearing the word bond servant and then I'm matching that up with my life, I'm like, there's a whole lot of Jared that has nothing to do with following Jesus. For me, a healthy understanding of what I should be aiming for helps greatly. So in my life, there's a huge difference between a mentor and my wife. So we're going to walk into this a little bit. There's a huge difference between a mentor and my wife. I go to a mentor for help in things I see that need fixed, blind spots to work on. My wife requires all of me. And that's why scripture talks about marriage giving us a picture of what it actually requires, what Jesus is looking for. In a relationship, it should require all of you. All of me, all of you. And yet I fight him the whole way. Kicking and screaming. So what you're thinking about right now, whatever that thing that the Holy Spirit is moving in you right now of going, hey, this is the thing I'm not willing to let go of that's what he came for. The things that we're processing, the situations that we process, the people at work that we can't stand, whatever those things are, the things that we're processing right now that you're hearing the Spirit say to you, those are the things of what he came for. And he wants them from you. So the question is, are you going to be fighting him the whole way or are you going to learn to bend your knee? That's why this bond servant thought process is so interesting because it's all of you for all of his glory. You say, well, Jerry, I got plans. I got things I want to accomplish. They're not bad. Have you turned them to him? You say, Jerry, there's people in my life. You don't know how bad they are. Have you turned them to him? There's things that people have done to me that I can't even begin to quantify. Have you turned them to him? And so last but not least, uh, the second part I want to work through is faith of equal standing. So that in the ESV, this is kind of how it works out. He said that we've acquired the same equal standing through the righteousness of Jesus. And so for many of us, you don't have to raise your hand, but guilt overwhelms us and causes us to do a lot of things, right? Christ came to set you free, not to lay guilt on top of you. So you are not less of a Christian because of your sin. All of us have sin, right? You are not less of a Christian because you don't do devotions every morning at six in the morning. You are not less of a Christian because you have done fill in the blank. Because our faith is not based on our actions. It's based on who Jesus is and what he's done in our life. Now, there are growth pieces there. There are things that we need to turn over to him. There's things that we have to give to him. 
but they do not define you. You are defined by your Savior who loves you and cares for you, who has come for you, who knows your sin and was setting you free. He's come for you. He wants you to see not what you've done, but instead he wants to see your bended knee to him. Knees bent, eyes up on him, learning to obey. That's our heart. Knees bent, eyes on him, learning to obey. It's his, righteous, it's his righteousness, not mine. This frees us up to see our days with, okay, God, what are you going to do? What do you want to do today, God? Because you walk into situations, every single one of you are going to wake up tomorrow morning, maybe on Tuesday, you're going to step into a situation where you go, God, this person, I can't. I want to punt them. But I want to walk through that a little bit. And I've got two phrases for you. Number one, our view of people should not start with our view, should start with our view of what we are saved from. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Our view of people should start with our view of what we were saved from. Our view of people should start with our view of what we're saved from. This is not guilt. This instead is a head-lifting experience, a perspective of what we've been given. When you have been, been forgiven by somebody, like this doesn't happen a lot culturally, but when we actually like sit and talk about something and we forgive each other, and then you are reminded of how amazing that is that they actually forgave you when you royally screwed this up, that's different, right? Peter got the same grace that you and I received. That grace should drive me to obedience to Jesus and willingness to serve those around me with the point of them seeing Jesus. So if there's a person in your life, like you're like, hey, God, there's no way I can do this. That's where he wants to work. The difference goes like this. From how could they to God, what do you want to do? How could they have done that to God? What do you want to do? Romans 3, 23 reminds us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's about as inclusive as we can get. Every single one of us have sinned so that we know that the grace that's been given us sets us free. Every single one of us in this room struggle with sin. Always. So the more that we grasp that concept and see Jesus as the grace, then we can be able to be freed up to respond to people differently. Listen, I should be real nice. I'm going to say this kind of, I should be real nice because Jesus did a whole lot for me. So I should respond to each of us differently, right? That person at work, they need Jesus like I do. That person on Facebook, right before you want to respond, they need Jesus like I do. That person that thinks differently on every single topic, they need Jesus just like I do. So our view of people should start with our view of what we were saved from. And that perspective allows us to serve them for the long haul and allows us to keep investing in other people. When you've been recognized, this is what I've been saved from. This is where I'm at. This is what God calls me to. This is where I need to be. Second part. As Christians or as people, our holdups, what keeps us from interacting with people, are usually not what God has said. Not all the time. 
But in my life, I've often set up hurdles that aren't always biblical. Like, I'm not sure if that person's grasping. I'm not sure that they're really getting it. And so what happens is we end up separating each other because we're saying, ah, they're over there, I'm over here. But the journey we're all on is going, all of us have sinned, all of us need Jesus, all of us have to walk towards him, all of us have to bend our knee, all of us. So how do we walk towards that together? Or maybe you're like me, I've placed a timeline. Oh, this person needs to respond the way I think they should by this time. Otherwise, they're out. It's not the same grace that I've given, the journey that I've been on, the process. So the hope of the gospel is this, that this life is nothing compared to him. That all things were created and pale compared to our creator that only by giving up my grasp of control on all things am I able to experience hope and freedom that makes no sense because I don't own this. It's not mine, it's his. That turning over of my life actually allows me to live, to care for others, to give grace and to seek forgiveness and to live a life of strength that isn't based on what I can do, but instead what he wants to do through me. So it gives us hope. So every time we finish up our time together, we always end with three questions. So the questions will be up here. And so the heart is going, we're going to give you a couple seconds to just process. Okay, God, what do you want to do? Maybe it's something from these questions. Maybe it's not. But it says, number one, are you a bondservant to morals or to Jesus? Many of us who have grown up in some kind of religious context, we actually probably maybe more connect to morals than we do to what Jesus is doing in our life, right? Act this way and you'll be good as opposed to actually letting Jesus do work in my life, right? That's question number one. Are you a bondservant? Are you tied to morals, which aren't bad, but they can be something we serve, or Jesus? Number two, do you add labels to people, okay? Many of us, we put something in front of, G in in front of Christian, you can fill in a political term. You can fill in some kind of ideology. You can, like, whatever it is. Do you add labels to people as opposed to seeing them for who Christ called them to be? Right? Number three, have you allowed the forgiving grace that is given to us to change your life? Right? We might have accepted Jesus as our Savior, which is great. That's huge. But has that changed anything in your life day to day from that day forward? Where's the journey been? What have you seen? What has God done? Has there been fruit produced? What is those things? Okay. And then every week we always want to pray. We're always going to be committed to praying for the local body of Christ. Right. And so Mission Church uh, down, down in Lampeter, awesome people, great church, great opportunity. And so at the very least, if you're like, man, I'm not sure if these questions are really like mine or what God's doing, take an opportunity to pray for that church and say, okay, God, we want you to move in a mighty way there. Okay, so we're gonna give you like a minute. Music's gonna play. I'll come back and close our time together. Thank you for being a part of this place. We always want to give a couple minutes, some time afterwards to sit and relax and uh, get to know each other, spend some time together. If you got kiddos in the one to four, we'd love for you to grab them, bring them over with us and uh, opportunity to hang out together. If you have any questions about kind of how we're moving forward, I'll be up here. I'd love the opportunity to spend some time together. Uh, when we're together the third Sunday in just two weeks, we'll give you kind of a financial update too of what's going on and how we're doing and all those things. And so thank you for being a part. Thanks 
Thanks for investing in what God's doing and uh, excited for the next couple of weeks together. So we love you. Glad you're here. Hang out for a little bit. No, chance, no need to rush. And uh, thanks for being here. Have a good Sunday. Thanks so much for listening and being a part of this community. We hope that today's message helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and live out what His Word is calling you to. Hit the subscribe button below to follow us, share with a friend, or leave a review. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so at 717.church.